0: Greetings! I am Benjamin Jacobs, host of Wittenberg to Westphalia, the Wars of the Reformation. I am told that I have three minutes to convince you to listen to my show. Alright, that should be easy enough. So, my show aims to use the wars of religion to examine the early modern period of European history. Uh, But uh, most people don't actually know what the early modern period is. Uh, Okay, so the early modern period is a weird piece of academic arcanum... That is used to describe the years between 1500 and 1798. Except, you know, as usual, the historians don't actually agree on those dates. Some historians put the start of the period as far back as 1300, which sounds insane when you first look at it, but actually, the more I work on this show, the more I agree with those arguments. Because you see, if the period is supposed to start at the beginning of the modern period, and most observers tag the modern period to the rise of the modern state system, well, a lot of the things that came together to form the modern state system really got going in the 1300s uh, now that we're doing the research. The, the other dating is, you know, sort of a, a weird byproduct of the Italian Renaissance. Uh, the problem is, though, that if we go with a 1300 date, that leaves like only 100 years or so for the actual Middle Ages as we think of them with knights and stuff. Because before 1200 or so, it was, it was actually just like fallout from the Roman Empire. Uh, this is all very strange. I guess this is why my show has been going for seven years and has 75 episodes, and I still haven't finished the introduction. Now, some people might say that that is a weakness. They might say, Ben, after seven years of your life, you should probably have gotten to the main topic of your show by now. Pa. Pa, I say to that. It's my show, and I'm having fun. I swear to god I do have a plan, and I'm going to get there eventually, but in the meantime we can all enjoy the ride, as I engage in the most scattershot, adhd adult history podcast on the market with pretensions of academic rigor. Along the way, we've examined the geology of Europe, the continent that does not exist, the history of a single, random family of nobles in the Carolingian Empire, their undeserved pretensions of grandeur, and the chaos they caused in Italy. That was fun. We looked at the class structure of the early medieval society, and along the way, looked at how women and religious minorities fared in medieval European society. Uh, It's not great, but it's better than you think. Currently, we're looking at the phenomenon of slavery in the Middle Ages, which is just a laugh a minute, I can assure you. Um, And in a few months, I'm going to be talking to you all about scrofula, which is a skin condition, and you probably shouldn't Google it. So, come join me as I research the early modern period, things that led to the early modern period, and words that might look like the early modern period if I have my glasses off when I'm doing research. Wittenberg to Westphalia. It's a show. Available on all fine podcatchers. And I have a website. I presume someone will put it in the show notes, but it's Wittenberg to Westphalia podcast at weebly.com.
1: We have some very exciting news, because Pontifax now has merchandise. We just released our first two enamel pins, one that says Circular Friends and one that says Dicks Out for Celibacy. So if you want to show all of your friends that you are in the elite circle of Pontifax listeners, you can go to Etsy.com and search Pontifax Pod and they'll pop right up. Check them out and let us know what you think. Pontifax is part of the Agora Podcast Network. Oh,
2: Welcome to Pontifex. I'm Fry.
1: And I'm Brie, ranking all of the popes from Peter to Francis. And this is episode 102, Pope Valentine. Ooh. And to clarify, this is not Saint Valentine. No, clearly. He existed a very long time before this. This is just a coincidental name. Pope Valentine. Wild. Yeah, it is. But, you know, it was uh, Valentinus. The names were very, very popular in Rome for centuries. We had, you know, Valens and Valerian and Valentinus and Valentinian, right? So we've talked about my childhood
2: friend Vito Santini. Yes.
1: (laughs) Valentine was born in Rome in the Violata region, which is up close to the Vatican. And as we've discussed before, the rich neighborhood. He was the son of Leontius and a member of the Roman nobility, as the neighborhood suggests. And again, like many members of the nobility, Valentine entered the church early and was educated at the Lateran school and served at the Lateran basilica. He was made a deacon under Pope Pascal and eventually promoted to archdeacon. But he was not ordained as a priest in this time. The Liber Pontificalis calls him a man filled with great holiness and blessedness and continued overflowing with the grace of the Holy Ghost. And I am cutting him off there because whoever our Liber Pontificalis writer is at this time loves Valentine and goes on and on and on about all of his charms and virtues for more than two pages. Wow. Wow. Which is something, considering his entry is three pages. Like, this is a full-on priest crush that we have not seen in some times. Even our editor of the Liber Pontificalis, Raymond Davis, calls it vapid. So, I'm saving you the trouble. And this is a little bit ironic, given the rumors. You see, when our last pope, Eugene II, became pope, he... And Valentine were very close. So close, and Eugene was so obviously favoring this young deacon that there were open rumors that the two were lovers. Or, as we discussed last week, or that Valentine was his son, which is an entirely different type of scandal. But the fact that these scandals are both equally popular rumors at the time is very, very disturbing. Making you think about it again. Yeah.
2: I don't like it.
1: Put it away, Brie. Well, they they were either lovers or father and son. Enough said. (laughs) But because the two were so close, when Pope Eugene died, the nobility saw in Valentine the perfect opportunity to have a noble-born pope that would very likely continue Eugene's policies. And so just a few days after Eugene died, the nobility pushed to have Valentine elected. The Liber Pontificalis claims that it was a unanimous election of the nobility, the people of Rome, and the clergy. Quote, when the venerable bishops and glorious dignitaries of the Romans and all the people of the widespread city were gathered together in the Lateran Palace, so that they might resound with a single voice of many men, what all held in their hearts equally, as already revealed from heaven, with the consent of one will. There was a loud acclamation, Valentine, the most holy archdeacon, is worthy of the apostolic see. Valentine must be adorned with the badge of the supreme pontificate. These are the words they all said together. But this seems very unlikely, because as we said before, Valentine wasn't even ordained as a priest. Nevertheless, this is who the nobility acclaimed. And again, Valentine wasn't present at this election, and at the time was apparently praying in the Basilica of Santa Maria Maggiore. The electors came to the Basilica and informed him of their decision, but he protested loudly and repeatedly. Likely, again, because he wasn't even a priest. But this didn't stop the electors, who took him from the church to the Lateran and had him consecrated on the spot.
2: (sighs) You know, without we made this illegal, it's fine, whatever.
1: (laughs) Well, that's going to come back up. But before, this makes him the first pope in history that wasn't consecrated as a priest before consecrated as a pope, because even the layman anti-Pope Constantine had been consecrated as a deacon and priest before pope. It had just been by bishops who were doing it under duress. So where are Chris and Serge when we need them? And like you said, remember that this had just been made illegal, right? Remember the Constitutio Romanum that we talked about last week? The one designed to keep nobility from meddling in the papal elections and insisted that the Frankish Missi be present to confirm a pope before consecration? Well, all of that just went out the window. And this is why some of the sources seem really, really confused about what the Constitutio actually says. This election, the nobles are so brazenly participating, it seems as if the Constitutio made that happen. But in actuality, it was just a blatant disregard of the Constitutio. And of course, there were no imperial missi present, no oath, no letter informing Emperor Louis of the election. And... There just wasn't going to be. And there wasn't going to be because Pope Valentine then died on October 10th of 827 of what the Liber Pontificalis calls bodily trouble only 40 days after he was elected. Goodbye, Valentine. Bye. He was buried in St. Peter's, his tomb was destroyed for New St. Peter's, and no epitaph survives. So that's him! And it's already time to rate him. Are you ready to have opinions? No, nothing, ah. very little to have an opinion on, and the things that we're going to have to have opinions on are the things you don't want to think about. Papatum infallium. The fact that he was elected entirely on the pressure of the nobles before he was even ordained as a priest indicates that the influence of the nobility has superseded the independence of the clergy, and that their interventions in papal elections are far from over. And this is going to be a growing trend. Not good. No, bad. So, did he do anything then to impact the church or papal primacy at all? Negative impact. Negative impact. He didn't even hit what had been the absolute basic minimum of being pope, which was being a priest, so zero. Fructus prohibitum. Well, he may have been the illicit homosexual love of. Oh no. They have thoughts. They think it's scandal. <laughs> scandal. He might have been the illicit homosexual lover of Pope Eugene II. This is worth considering. This would be scandalous. It's worth a couple points, at least. Ah, uh, Okay. Oh, Ignore the son and father bit. Just think about them being lovers. They were close. Valentine was obviously very, very well favored by Eugene. Could it have been scandalous?
2: It could have been Can we give him a a one? A one, and then can I purge it from my brain?
1: Okay, do you want to give him a one and a one, or just a singular one? I'm giving him a one. You do what you do, Bree. I will also give him a one, then. He'll get a two for fructus prohibitum. Purge it from your brain. It's
2: gone now. I'll never remember. Until I have to listen to this again when I have to edit it, and then I'll cry.
1: <laughs> In two episodes, nonetheless. Two, too many. But you know what? It's alright. It's alright. You made it.
2: <laughs> Secular impactum.
1: So again, the nobles are showing that despite efforts to restrict them, they hold all the power over the clergy. All of the constitutio goes out the window. But they went out of the window because of death? It's kind of hard to say. Would, would Valentine have tried to do something different with the Imperial Missi or the Emperor? We don't know. So it's just...
2: Sometimes they die suddenly and abruptly. And that usually gives them a zero. So that's what he's gonna get. Facium Sanctus.
1: Now, if you want to think of this man as the young lover of a Pope... No, why did you say that again to me? Well, because you need to have this in mind when you look at this image, because, first of all, this man is certainly a younger man who has been tonsured, so here is the image we will rate him on. That- that is a younger man, for sure.
2: Yeah, this man is a twink.
1: (laughs) Is he that
2: young to be a twink? Um,
1: it's possible. I'm trying to imagine him without the giant tonsure, because his hair- he has- The most feathered hair. He's
2: got such flippy wings, he's gonna fly away.
1: They are the wingiest wings that we've seen so far. He's got the longest
2: neck ever.
1: Does have a really long neck. He looks kind of, I don't know, the innocent. He has sort of an innocent expression on his face. It's just kind of like, oh? (laughs) That sort of face?
2: He's surprised at something over there. He saw a squirrel. So
1: what is it worth to you? What is his young, twinkie face worth?
2: Don't say things like that. Stop it. (laughs) Um, I'm gonna give him a six.
1: A six? Okay. I like it. I think it's about a four for me, so he'll get a ten, and when we divide that out, he'll get a 2.5. But that is not the only image of him. First of all, we're gonna look at another young one. Uh, here we go. Here's our bad smooth artist. He's so smooth. He is smooth, but he, he looks very sad in this one. Yeah, he's,
2: he's looking a different direction, <laughs> and it's sadder. <laughs> Does something happened to that squirrel. <laughs>
1: oh, no! Well, then whatever happened to the squirrel suddenly turned him into an evil villain, because here's the last oh, one. My God. <laughs> what the heck? That man is plotting some serious, serious evil. I don't know what he's planning, but
2: it's... With that teeny tiny book. That's not a standard paperback size.
1: No, that is definitely, like, travel size. (laughs) So that is what he looks like. Tempus Pontificus. August 31st, 827, to October 10th, 827, 40 days... Round that down to a quarter of a year, giving him a score of 0.0625.
2: Did he make it the whole 40 nights? Well,
1: we don't know. <laughs> he could have died just before dawn.
2: All right, everybody, it's the canon bonus round! Do, 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 do.
1: No, he is not a saint. He didn't do anything. He can't be a saint. So that brings us to our total score, which is a. Uh, 4.5625 boy yeah which means that he's currently in 100th place
2: what would happen if we we just gave him a singular one for fructus prohibitum and he was at a 3. Point whatever 65? oh
1: i think he would definitely be our lowest scoring pope to date cuz i'm thinking it's pretty close who is our lowest scorer? Oh, you know what? No, he is our lowest scoring Pope because the 101 and 102 are currently sitting below him on this list, which means that there are Popes that based on just their, our next couple of Popes score higher than him just on Sainthood and Length of Reign. So, yeah, he's currently our lowest scoring Pope. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well,
2: when all you do is love a previous pope, you're not going to get very many points.
1: It just so happens that that is true.
2: <laughs> he might have liked you a lot more than history or we do.
1: That is also true, and and that brings us to a very surely answered question, which is papally enough, pizzazzy enough, impact enough for a papal bull. It's a no. <laughs> But what if we gave him one? I mean, you could. You could be like, this man was the illicit lover of the Pope. He has one of the shortest papal reigns in history. You could... If you wanted to, you could try and make an argument for it.
2: I don't know. He was there to get down, and then he was the Pope, and then he died.
1: (laughs) He got down, and he got out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Could be Bullworthy. I mean... That's a
1: very Chad reaction to everything here. (sighs) The papacy is no place for Chads. It is not. (laughs) I I mean, theoretically, it shouldn't be, but maybe it is a little bit. We'll see as we go on. There are some popes who will definitely meet the definition of Chad. That actually brings us to the end of our episode today. So, again, a couple thank yous to make. We need to thank Dr. Rupert Kramer and his colleague for clarification on the Constitutio, because you can see why this became such a convoluted issue, and why there are articles out there saying the Constitutio meant that the, the nobles could vote in the election. No, it just... nobody listened to it. So, thank you again for that. If you'd like to get in touch with us,
2: you can reach us at pontifexpod at gmail.com. And we're Pontifax Pod on all social media platforms. If you'd like to support the show, consider subscribing to Pontifax on Patreon. Checking out our research wishlist at tinyurl.com slash wishlist, or making a one-time donation at paypal.me slash pontifaxpodcast. If you'd like to support us in other ways, rating and reviewing the show on iTunes makes a world of difference.
1: And with that, we can say thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.